Now, before we get into the word, we're just going to have one more prayer and thanks God uh, for the word and ask him to um, help us understand it and apply it. Heavenly Father, we are here before you, before your word. We ask that you uh, help us to understand it, uh, illuminate it to our hearts, and may we apply it in, um, in our day-to-day lives. We love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, now, every now and then, I open up the YouTube app on my iPad and I browse through some of the upcoming movie trailers. Um, I've often quoted a few movies in my messages, so I like to watch a few movies um, from time to time. And about a month ago, I was browsing and I noticed a growing number of Bollywood movies appearing in in my list. Um, One of the Bollywood movies, one of the trailers, caught my attention because it advertised how many million views it has. And I think the last time I checked, there was somewhere around about the 77 million views. So here's the trailer to a movie, 77 million views. And I'm thinking, well, what's the big deal, you know? I want to check it out. I want to see what this trailer is all about. So I have a look. I don't understand a single word, except for the few English words that are in there. But um, I check it out. The movie is called Thugs of Hindustan. And it's due to be aired... um, in cinemas this coming Diwali. When I saw the trailer, all I could think about was the Pirates of the Caribbean. It's like, you know, it looked a bit like a copy of that. You you have a main character who's a thug and he's got a bit of a personality like Jack Sparrow. Um, But the movie is based on Philip Meadows Taylor's 1839 novel, Confessions of a Thug. So it's an English novel and um, this is the first time the word thug was introduced into the English language, so it's not exactly an English word, but it was introduced through this novel. It's about a thug named Amir Ali and his gang, whose criminal ways posed a serious challenge to the British Empire in India between 1790 and 1805. So I guess there are some similarities to Pirates of the Caribbean, but I'm sure there are differences too. I haven't seen the movie, only just the trailer. But anyway, it's coming out, um, this Diwali, um, which is this Wednesday. Or I had a look on the Village Cinemas website because I'm interested in going to watch this movie. I'm hoping there are subtitles. Um, It actually comes out on Thursday in the cinemas, but it's, I think, around the world. It's going to premiere on Wednesday. Um, You might be thinking... um, Why, Eddie? Why did you bring this up? And what's this got to do with me? (laughs) Well, well, I brought it up for several reasons. And the first is um, that Diwali celebrations is gaining attention in the public square. Now, I hear it on the radio. I think that's where the first time I heard about it. Uh, I think last year sometime. Um, I read about it in news. So, SBS, ABC News Online and so forth. Um, i even seen it on the tally. There are uh, several events happening in major cities around Australia for this occasion. Um, universities are celebrating Diwali. So, I always get, I keep getting um, alumni emails and stuff like that through Deakin University and they're, sh- they're advertising that this is their 10th year they're celebrating Diwali. 
And um, even yesterday, Candice and I were in Bunnings and we, we bumped into Doris. Um, and she told us that even Bunnings have something on for Diwali. So it's becoming more and more prominent. Um, the second reason is there is a growing number of Southeast Asians living amongst us uh, in the east corridor of Melton, so that's kind of like Hillside, Caroline Springs, Taylor's Hillway, and in Brimbank, so where we are right now. That means that we have a diverse audience to share the gospel to. So the community we live in is becoming less Eurocentric and more diverse, more plural. Um, and third, uh, we could all benefit with some training in cross-cultural evangelism. In the past, like people would share the good news to like people. I remember growing up and the church we, I grew up in um, was very Eurocentric and then the community we were part of was Eurocentric. We, it was all European. But nowadays, especially as, a, as an educator in secondary school, it is so, so different. It is just really diverse. Schools are, um, um, are proud that they, they have 61 different languages within their school. So I was at a school just this past week and, and I read on the sign um, in the staff room that they have 61 different languages that the children speak. Not all of them can speak 61 different languages, but it's throughout the whole school. So, these days we live in a pluralistic society and we need to know how to share the gospel to all the different cultures around us. And they're the three reasons why I am bringing this up. So, therefore, we're going to look at Diwali. So, this is going to be a, a topical talk. Um, we're going to look at Diwali, that is the festival of light. And it's celebrated by many from Southeast Asia and around the world. So we're going to look at what it is, we're going to look at where it falls short and how Jesus offers salvation by being the light of the world, fulfilling this cultural storyline. I'll get into a bit more of that later on. The text I have chosen to help us along comes from John chapter 8 verse 12. And if we could just get the next slide. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world, whoever follows me will not walk in darkness but we'll have the light of life. So we're going we're gonna to use this text a little later on and just to help us along. Okay. All right, our first point, what is Diwali? As I mentioned earlier, Diwali is a festival of light. So the word in ancient Sanskrit literally means row of lights. It is primarily celebrated by Hindus, along with Sikhs and Jains and other in Southeast Asia. So we're talking to uh, a large number of people who celebrate it. It's a celebration of light triumphing over darkness, good over evil and knowledge over ignorance. And there are a few legends surrounding the origin of Diwali, it all depends on the geographical location. However, in my research, I discovered that they're all about a god or gods defeating an evil king or an evil force. So they're all the legends that are surround that come with it. And depending on whether you're in North India or South, it's uh, it's 
just varies from location to location. Diwali is the third day in a five-day-long celebration, and it is around the time of the Hindu New Year. And people who celebrate Diwali, they get ready for the festivities by cleaning their houses, uh, they decorate them, they buy new clothes to wear for the occasion to herald in the new year. So if you have any um, neighbours who are celebrating Diwali Festival, probably tomorrow or the day after, you'll hear cleaning, and lots and lots of cleaning. Um, um, they also, at the time, because it's a festival of light, um, they turn on all their lights in the house and they leave them on all day long. So, if, again, if, you're, if you have a neighbour, you might see that. If the lights are on all day, their porch light, their backyard lights, all the lights are on all day. Um, prayers are offered to honour Lakshmi, who is the Hindu goddess of wealth. Um, they, again, lights are turned on, candles are lit, lamps are lit. And that is to help Lakshmi find her way into people's homes to bring prosperity in the new year to come. So, again, this, this kind of idea comes from one of the legends where um, um, one of the deities um, rescued another and they came home. And when they came home, the town lit up the town to help them find their way home. So that's the idea where it comes from. But that, and that's the idea of all the lights that happen to be on all day. Um, during the festivities, people get together to have fun with family and friends, exchanging gifts and sweets, and enjoy delicious feasts. So they come around food. Uh, you see there's a lot of gift giving, um, and especially the sharing of sweets. And um, also beautiful patterns are made using powders and flowers. So these are kind of like dyed powders. You get all the different colors coming through. Um, they're called rangoli, and these are drawn on the floor near to the entrance of the house, and it's to welcome the gods in to bring good luck for the new year. So this is a basic rundown of what Diwali is. There's more, more to it. Um, and it, again, it all depends from geographical location to another. Um, but basically, it's just a fun and joyous time for all those who celebrate it. Um, I think um, this should be enough for you to get the basics. Now, thinking about it, there is a lot that we can resonate with Diwali. I mean, for example, we can all resonate with light triumphing over darkness. So when you turn the light on, you realize light overpowers the darkness. And we see that, just not, not just in the physical, but it also in, as a metaphor within the, the scriptures as well. Or good over evil, good triumphs over evil, or knowledge over ignorance. They're all good things, and we can resonate with that. And we can also resonate with uh, cleaning up our houses, um, decorating them for a celebration, and buying new clothes to wear for a special occasion. And then getting together with friends and family to enjoy a feast, uh, exchange gifts and sweets. Um, I always think, you know, when we exchange gifts, we pretty much do it around Christmas time or birthdays. 
these are all the things that we can kind of resonate with with um, Diwali. Um, we can also resonate uh, by way of New Year resolutions, you know, as they're celebrating their New Year. They're kind of like out with the old and with the new and so forth. Um, there's always a desire to have wonderful new blessings uh, for the new year. And we can all resonate with this, can't we? Um, what about when we pray to God uh, to keep us from harm or to help us get a job or something like that? And we do that as well. And they're the kind of things that we want in our life to give us hope, to give us a future. Now, every culture has a cultural storyline. And Diwali has a storyline that is not at all dissimilar to our own. So, what do I mean by um, a cultural storyline? Well, if we look at a particular culture, um, what we do is we take something that they do or celebrate, and we consider that to be like a cultural text. And within that cultural text, it tells a story. It's not just on the surface, but uh, um, a little more deeper in. Um, and like, for example, and I might use this as uh, an example. I'm going to borrow a movie. I'm going to borrow the movie of Harry Potter. So if we put aside all the magic and we look at the cultural storyline within that movie, we see that, you know, it's good that triumphs over evil. And the way that good needs to triumph over evil is that there is a main character who bears a particular mark, bears a particular curse, and to get rid of that curse, he needs to die, come back to life, and then defeat the evil one. So there is a particular cultural storyline within the movie that is a bit similar to us. It's like what Jesus had to come, um, bear our curse, bear our shame on the cross, die, and then come back to life to defeat the devil. So there's... And all the cultures around the world have these storylines within them. Uh, culture storyline, well, this particular culture storyline of Diwali acknowledges how things should be. This is how things should be. Light triumph over darkness. Good triumph over evil. Knowledge over ignorance. This is how it should be, the out with the dirty, in with the clean. So we clean up our act, clean up our lives, clean up our houses. Out with the old self, in with the new self. So can you start to see where the storyline is? Festive joy with family and friends, giving, receiving gifts and sweets. It's all part of this storyline. The blessing of prosperity and good luck not the curse of poverty and bad luck. But however, the, however things should be, we see that in the cultural storyline, this one also acknowledges that things are not the way they should be. And, and this brings me to the next point. And the next point is where does it fall short? What do I mean by that? Where does it fall short? Things are not the way they should be. Even though we want them to be a particular way, they're just not that way. 
even though we strive to see the good in everything and see how good triumphs over everything, is just not that in reality. People experience dark times in life, evil triumphs. Ignorance is common everywhere. I mean, I just have to think about, you know, driving on the roads, how many ignorant decisions, um, you know, everybody makes, including me. Sometimes I'm driving and I'm, you know, five minutes into my driving and realise, you know what, I remember being home and now I'm thinking about I'm here, but I don't remember anything in between. (laughs) Mind just switches off. The world we live in is dirty. You know, there's rubbish on the streets. Um, Diseases are around. Uncleanness, not just physically, but also metaphorically. And just, we have old habits that just won't go away. Depression, loneliness is becoming more and more common. Families breaking up, or families just don't function as they should. Friendships coming to an end. These things, these things happen. People give a blind eye to the poor whilst overindulging in fine dining. Blessing is prosperity and good luck. It looks like only a few people experience that, not everyone. Poverty is never defeated, it's always around. The poor is always with us. People, you know, some people experience bad luck every day. And, and, and listen to this, things are just not the way they should be, even though we desire, and we see this in Diwali, there is a great desire for things to be a particular way, but they're just not that way. And as much as Diwali acknowledges how things should be, it would never take away the reality that things are not the way they should be. It would never take away all the problems of this world, no matter how, many, how much it is practiced. And this is how it falls short. As much as one prays for prosperity, they are never guaranteed prosperity. One may celebrate Diwali every year and never be prosperous. Might even struggle in life. Might even think about it every day. As much as people celebrate this occasion, problems in the world remain the same. Now, is there a solution? What then would set things right? This leads me to my third point. Jesus offers salvation by being the light of the world, fulfilling the cultural storyline. You know, we see sometimes within the different cultures and we we look at the cultural texts and we see the storyline within the text and we realize there's a lot of good here but somehow it's not complete it's missing something and this is the same in Diwali there's a lot that we can resonate yeah there are a lot of good things however as much as it is practiced and celebrated, we continue to live in a world where things are not the way they should be. And the only person who can set things right is Jesus, who is God, who 
came to earth in the flesh to be the light of the world. And this brings us to the text here in John chapter 8, verse 12. And I'll read it out again. Again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. He is the light of the world. And this isn't as in the light of the earth. And what is meant by here is the, the world, as the world is the created order of the universe. So it's in the Greek, it's the word cosmos, which can be translated as order. The opposite of cosmos is chaos, disorder. So what we're looking at here, that Jesus is the light of the created order of all things. Jesus did not come to light up a lamp, but to be the light. And we don't pray for him to come to us, we follow him. That's what it says here. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness. We follow him. We are on the same way with him. We're on the same path. We imitate his ways. And um, thinking about it, it's so much easier to follow him when he's the light because we can see where the light is and we can follow. But where do we follow? Where do we follow him to? He takes us to the cross where we see him triumph over darkness so that we no longer live in darkness anymore. Light always overpowers darkness and we see him there at the cross he has taken the ultimate darkness of eternal punishment that you and i deserve he's taken it upon himself and given it us himself as the light of the world and that's where we get to the last part of the text where it says but we will have the light of life he gives us the light of life now, I think about the events of uh, when Christ was on the cross and when darkness came upon at a particular hour. That there is our darkness upon him. We see him at the cross as the one good God who triumphed over evil. And not only that, we see Jesus give himself to us. He is the greatest gift. If you're looking at gift giving, that's where the greatest gift is, the light of life. He takes away our ignorance by helping us see the truth. He takes away our filth, making us clean. He takes away our old self, creating us new. He never leaves us nor forsakes us. In fact, he adopts us into his family. He shows us how to love our friends. He teaches us to put to death the desires of the flesh and shows us how to care for the poor. He blesses us and teaches us how to be rich towards God and store up treasures in heaven, not on earth. 
this is how Jesus sets things right. So Diwali is a celebration of many wonderful things. And there are a lot that we can resonate with this festival. It's a picture of how things should be. However, things are not always the way they should be. And this is where Diwali falls short because no matter how much it is celebrated, Diwali would never change things to the way they should be. And we need Jesus, the light of the world, to save us and to set things right. So, if you happen to have the opportunity to attend a Diwali festival or a celebration, I would recommend that you go. It would be a good opportunity to learn more about it and to share the good news about Christ. Or if you know people who are celebrating Diwali, let's say, for example, a neighbour or a friend, I would encourage you to give them a candle and some sweet treats and wish them a happy Diwali. I mean, this could start a conversation about it and maybe provide an opportunity to share them about how Jesus is the saviour of the world and how he fulfills this particular cultural storyline and how he makes everything right again through the cross. How he completes all that is missing from it. See, I believe Diwali is a great opportunity for us to reach out to the Hindu, to the Sikh, to the Jain and other communities with the gospel. And I encourage all of us to have a go. If you come across it, if God provides you with the opportunity, have a think about it. Let's um, pray and thank God for his word. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful that we live in such a pluralistic society and that the opportunities are growing every single day for us to share the good news of salvation to the world. And as hard as, hard as it is, um, we thank you for um, helping us to understand your word and helping us to see how, how certain cultures um, really, really need your saving. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are the light of the world and that you've come to take darkness away. You've come to triumph over evil. And we thank you for providing us with this light. That we all have the light of life in us. May we have many opportunities to share it this week. As we come across many different um, opportunities around Diwali. And help us to not just resonate with the culture, but to dissonate with them as well and then show how the gospel provides fulfillment. How the gospel is the happy ending to this story where Jesus, we love you and wish to 
ask that you be with us this day as we fellowship with one another and may we encourage each other and build one another up. In your name we pray. Amen.